Last week in the gospel, everyone, Jesus gave some solid advice. He advised us not to base oneself in the opinion of others. He said, don't be concerned about the honor they give to you. If you do do that, it's a very unstable way to live. It's full of anxiety and it's full of rejection. If we remember that from last week and then read the first line of today's gospel, it's kind of interesting. The first line, almost like a throwaway line, setting the context is, great crowds were traveling with Jesus and he turned and addressed them. Great crowds traveling with Jesus and he turns and speaks to them. You would think that Jesus, as he has thousands and thousands and thousands of people in front of him, would be tempted by concern for the opinions of others. Exactly the thing he just advised against last week. You think he'd be tempted by concern for honor or concern for the attention that the crowd would give to him. But, but in this precise moment, Jesus gives really radical conditions for being a disciple. Really radical conditions for continuing to follow and listen to him as the crowds were. He says, you must pick up your cross and follow me. He says, you must hate. You must hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even your own life and follow me. He says, you must renounce all of your possessions. In other words, he's asking the crowd for total and complete commitment to continue to follow him. And he asks that absolutely nothing hold his audience back. Absolutely nothing. Total commitment. Jesus has all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people in front of him, following him, listening to him, and then he thinks, yep, now's the moment I get really extreme. Now's the moment I'm really going to lay it all out there, hold nothing back. Now's the moment to be really, really radical. You can see Jesus is following his own advice. He's not concerned by the reaction of the crowd. He's not motivated by his own ego when he speaks. If he were, he would give a message a little more amenable, you could say, a little more favorable, less difficult to hear. But that's not his concern. Jesus asking for a total commitment, a commitment that's willing to pick up one's own cross, a commitment that's greater even, a commitment that's even greater than the commitment that we have to our own father or mother, or greater than the commitment that we have even to our spouse or to our children. Jesus asks a commitment like this, not because of a need in him. Jesus asks for commitment like this, not because of a need that Jesus has. Jesus isn't preaching for adoration or positive opinion or for honor. He's preaching for the crowd. And he asks for a total commitment from them because they need it. Jesus doesn't preach because of his own ego. And he doesn't permit the crowds to follow him because of his own ego, because he needs their positive opinion, because he needs their praise, because he needs their honor and their attention. He permits the crowd to follow him 
and he asked for the crowds to make an even greater commitment in following him because they need it, because they need Jesus. To be given honor and praise isn't something Jesus needs. The duty to worship and give thanks isn't something that Jesus needs. Total commitment to Jesus is something the human soul needs. The human soul needs Jesus for its own fulfillment and happiness and peace. To praise and worship Jesus isn't, is something that I need. Jesus is the same whether or not I give him that sort of commitment and honor and praise and thanksgiving. But my soul isn't the same. My own soul is better off when I commit to Jesus and I give him thanks and praise. It's actually really important to notice this, that when Jesus asks for commitment, it's not his own ego. When Jesus asks for commitment greater than his own parents, one's own parents, he's not jealous of our parents somehow, and his own ego needs that commitment. No, my own soul needs that commitment. My own heart needs that commitment. It's important to realize in order to make sense of Jesus saying, you must hate father and mother for my sake. What the heck is he talking about? What's he after here? Now, I'm no theologian. I'm not a brilliant person, but I know how to pay attention. And just a few chapters ago, Jesus was saying stuff like, love your enemies. Love your enemies, he said. And now he's saying, hate father and mother. That seems to be a contradiction. Not a brilliant guy. That doesn't seem correct. Now, again, I'm not a theologian, but I know that there are these like 10 rules to be a Christian, right? What's number four? Honor father and mother. And now Jesus says, hate father and mother for my sake. What's he after? Seems to be a contradiction. Well, remember, Jesus isn't asking this because of a need in him. It's not because of a need in God. It's a need in the human heart to be totally dedicated to God, even above one's own parents. And no person, no person is able to, the, to ignore, no person's able to ignore the need I have for God and then truly love someone else. No person is able to ignore the dedication that I need to give to God and then go be dedicated to someone else or give them honor, even one's own parents or one's own children or one's own spouse. No person can ignore the need in the soul for commitment to Jesus and then be a good son or daughter or friend. In other words, no person can skip rule number one, two, and three, have no gods before me, don't use my name in vain, keep holy Sunday. No person can skip those three and then go and do rule number four well. I do rule number four best, honor father and mother, when I do rules one, two, and three first. I love my parents, children, neighbors, friends best, when I make a commitment to Jesus and his church first. And remember, it's not just that I'm supposed to hate them. It's not just that I'm supposed to hate them, quote unquote. They're, spo they're supposed to hate me too. 
Didn't see that coming, huh? They hate, I hate them, they hate me. No, in other words, the goal, the goal is that my mother and father, my siblings, my spouse, would share the total commitment that I have to Jesus. And once we have this shared commitment to Jesus, we both prefer Jesus to each other. Now our relationship has a stable foundation. Now our relationship can grow even deeper. It doesn't become a source of conflict now because this commitment over and above each other is both to Jesus. And so it becomes a point of union between us. The shared commitment becomes a stable foundation for us in all of my relationships, including the most important relationships, like that, that to my parents and to my spouse. Commitment to Jesus then becomes the stable for foundation for every relationship that I have. Why? Because I hate them and they hate me. We both prefer Jesus and he becomes the foundation. As a very quick aside, all of this sort of principles I'm laying out goes the same for picking up the cross. Jesus doesn't need my suffering. And so when he asks me to pick up my cross, it's not because of a need in him. He doesn't get this kind of weird pleasure out of seeing me suffer. No, the fact is that I suffer either way in life, whether or not I willingly pick up the cross, whether or not I willingly suffer or not. I am the one. I'm the one who needs to pick up my cross and have it united to Jesus so that I can find meaning in suffering, so that I'm not crushed by the suffering in life, but can endure it and have it united to Jesus. So today, everyone, Jesus isn't preaching in order to be popular. Jesus isn't preaching and asking for total commitment out of a need of his own ego. No, total commitment isn't a need that he has it's a need that the human heart has. It's a need that I have. It's a need my soul has for its own fulfillment, happiness, and peace.